Welcome to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast with your host, Dr. Yoni Rosenblatt. Guys, thanks for tuning in. I had an awesome conversation with John Moscott, who's a near and dear friend of mine. I, I ran into John when he was pitching for the Israeli national team in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. He's one of the better humans that I've ever met, has overcome a tremendous amount of, of an injury past, and we'll get into that during the conversation. John really opened my eyes to what it means to be a teammate, and we're gonna get into how to be a great teammate, how to find great teammates, and how that applies to both the sports world and the professional world. John went to Pepperdine University where he was a stud starting pitcher, was drafted in the fourth round of the Major League Baseball draft and made it all the way to the big leagues in 2015 with the Cincinnati Reds. And of course, like I mentioned, became an Olympian in 2021 in Tokyo. We get into all things sports tech. He now works for an outstanding startup called Uplift Labs, and we'll get into the nitty gritty of that. This was a great, far-reaching conversation. Look forward to your feedback on this conversation. As always, you can reach us at True Sports PT on Instagram. Also, want to thank this week's sponsors, Charm City Capital, who is hosting this podcast and one of the absolute best financial advisor and wealth management firms located right here in Maryland, but servicing elite level athletes and clients of all walks of life throughout this country. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Share it with your friends. Give us a five-star review. And without further ado, my conversation with John Moscott. Welcome to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. So excited to have John Moscott with us. Thanks for making some time, Johnny. My pleasure. Excited to be here. Um, it's always awesome to talk to elite level athletes and obviously you reached the pinnacle of your previous profession pitching in the big leagues for the Cincinnati Reds and we'll dig into that. Um, you are one of the better athletes that I know and I've had the pleasure of working with. More importantly though, you're the best teammate I have ever seen. And I think it just comes so naturally to you. And then I've watched you grow professionally since your time in the Olympics. And it's been clear that you know how to run, organize, and in integrate yourself into teams. So I want to what I want to know from you is what makes a great teammate and how do you find a great teammate? Well, first off, that's that's one of the more flattering comments and introductions I've ever had. So thank you for that. You're yeah, I really appreciate that. It means a lot. I think uh, with my in injury history and my playing career, one of the things that it, it brought to light very quickly was that, um, you know, what you do on field is only part of the story that you tell and the legacy that you leave. Uh, it's the way that you make others feel around you, uh, the way that you influence a clubhouse by not only uh, your performance, but your actions uh, with with your teammates, and I think that to be a good teammate, you need to you need to be somebody that sets an example and lives their life, and 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 sets next the expectation for for not only those uh, those around you, but even those that are your your peers and your superiors. Um, you know that's something that is it was always very important to me, and uh, one of the ways that I that I led. Um, and I think that that by leading by example and by putting the work in and being able to, um, you know, be somebody that people look up to by the way that you act and and obviously, you know, all of the things that come associated with that, you know, you you, you earn the respect of your teammates and you're able to, um, you know, genuinely pull for your guys and have them pull for you. So when I look for somebody who who is a good teammate, I'm just looking for somebody 
that genuinely cares about the people around them and is not somebody who's going to be uh, kind of dead weight, uh, for, for lack of a better word, somebody that's going to really put the work in and, uh, and do it because they love it and because they want to win with the people around them. Yeah, it, it's easy to be a good teammate and a good leader when you're the best player in the clubhouse. Um, I, I saw you and got to work with you at the Olympics in 2021, in the 2020 Olympics, and you had it, it's so heartbreaking the manner in which you got injured. I mean, you fought so hard to come back from elbow issues, undergoing a surgery a couple months before the Olympics, coming back, getting on the mound, and then blowing your UCL within the first inning, I believe, um, of the Olympics. But what strikes me and the reason it's so easy to make the intro I did of you is later down the Olympics, we're talking a week later. So you had uh, essentially your Olympic dreams crushed by tearing your UCL on the mound in the first inning. There is a still a snapshot of you celebrating a home run during which you were not any longer on the active roster. And no one in that picture of celebration is happier and more energetic than you were in the dugout. And so how were you able to look past the fact that you're no longer actively participating in the outcome of those Olympic Games, but still be such a leader when you weren't necessarily the leading producer on that club. Yeah. So that, I mean, obviously you, you nailed it. It was crushing for me. I put so much work and time and sweat and money and tears into surgeries and physical therapy and getting back on the field to have one last shot at it and to get it pulled out from underneath me. I uh, could have gone and done two different different things I could have been you know a, a Debbie Downer and, and been the guy that sits in mopes and uh you know I think there was a defining moment for me when it happened and I was alone in the clubhouse you actually may have been there with me and I just you know I, I shed some tears and and then I stood up and I was like all right that's it you know it's over um it's nothing I can do about it now the only thing that I can do is continue to support my teammates and 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 be some type of influence to this team however I can uh, and, you know, I think when you're put in a position like that, in, when it's put up or shut up and, and you need to, you need to dig down deep, um, whether it be emotionally or physically, uh, you know, those are the times that really test you. And it was something for me that I, I wasn't going to let beat me. I, I knew I had to be there for my teammates and I knew that it was important for me to be resilient in the face of adversity so that that was something people could look to. And, and they definitely look to it, and, and you played such a major hand in any success that transpired in those Olympic Games. So good on you. It really was an inspiration. Also, you were expecting your first child. Your wife was home pregnant. You were away from her and still made the decision to stay and be a teammate, not just a teammate, a leader and a factor in the outcome of those games without picking up a ball. Um, you taught me a ton during those Olympic Games. What did you learn from the Olympic experience that you took to your professional life? Um, you know, I think I, I think I took away from that, that in order to be there, first and foremost, you know, you have to be the elite of the elite and you need to put incredible amounts of work in and dedicate your life to something. Uh, and then I saw that with, with not only our team, but really outside of baseball, um, you see it with all the sports and for the Olympic athletes. And of course, my personal experience getting hurt, uh, dealing with all the things that were associated there, 
uh, supporting the team and, 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 you know, being, being a rock to some extent was, uh, was personal growth for me, but I had dealt with that for a long time in my life with injury. Uh, and so it was something that I had built up. It wasn't something that I had, you know, just pulled out of a hat there in, in, in the Olympics, I think taking to a professional setting, some of the things that I learned as an athlete would be, you know, the dedication and the drive to be successful of, you know, that it takes to be an elite athlete. Um, and then, you know, dealing with failure and dealing with, with the, the inevitable pitfalls and downfalls that you're going to deal with on a daily basis at, at a given job, whether it be, you know, coworkers or, um, you know, successes and failures in, in certain endeavors. Um, there's always going to be things that come along with it and, and being, uh, staying the course and, and being more steady is, is something I learned in my career just with the, the highs and lows. Yeah. Yeah. And man, there, there, there's so much to learn there, but it, it's an awesome segue because you make the big leagues in, in what, 2015 thereabouts, right? Yeah. 20, 2015. Um, and then you suffer a freak injury. So get, get into that freak injury for me and, and don't spare any details around the rehab from mm -hmm. that injury and maybe what you wish would have been done following that injury. True Sports Physiotherapy is growing like wildfire. We have 14 locations, soon to be more. We are throughout the state of Maryland. We're in Pennsylvania, in Lebanon and York, Pennsylvania, as well as in Delaware, in Newark and Wilmington, Delaware. Like I said, so many more practices to come and we always need outstanding sports physical therapists. Our treatment style is unique. We are one-on-one -on -one with your athlete for 45 minutes every single session. You do the entire treatment. You do the entire evaluation. And they are in state-of-the-art facilities where you have room to run, throw, and jump, and really get your athlete all the way back to on the field and better and stronger than they were. We also have outstanding salaries, comp structures, bonus abilities, 401ks, as well as a very strong continuing education offering, including in-house continuing education. And we're looking for you. If you're listening to this podcast and you have debated whether you want to apply to True Sports Physical Therapy, now is the time as we are growing like crazy. Just shoot your resume over to Yoni, Y-O-N-I, at True Sports PT, or shoot us a DM, True Sports PT on Instagram, and just say, hey, I want to work there. You can keep it as simple as P. And we will hit you back. We will get you in for our unique tried and true interview process and really make a determination that this is the right place for you to grow your career and get your athletes better than ever. Feel free to reach out Instagram or shoot me an email. We can't wait to hear from either. Yeah. So 2015, I was making my third major league start was uh, kind of flew through the minor leagues with the Cincinnati Reds and was feeling great. By the way, your numbers in the minors were electric. But okay, you get to you get to the majors. Yeah. Third start, what happens? Third start, feeling like I said, feeling good. Um, and it was a rainy day in Detroit. I made a kind of a boneheaded play, got a comebacker hit to me, turned around to, to uh, you know tag the runner out and a rundown in between second and third base. Ended up diving to go tag him when I should have given the ball up. And because it was so wet and there was so much turfus on the ground, I didn't slide. I stuck. I scorpioned over my left shoulder and I broke my my uh, the bone inside the joint. Um, bony bank cart, tore the labrum 100%. 
and needed to have a full labrum repair, restructured my left shoulder, missed the entire season. And that was really tough for me uh, because it was my chance to make an impression on a major league organization and be in a, in a major league rotation. Um, and frankly, from that injury, you know, the subsequent year of rehab, getting back in spring training, you know, having residual effects from that, that injury, I think the one thing on my left shoulder that I would have done differently had I known, which is like probably the biggest, you know, glaring, uh, you know, slap in the face to, uh, you know, the, the PT department and, and even the surgeon that did my surgery was I got frozen shoulder because we hammered strength so hard and we did so much strength stuff that I lost mobility in the left shoulder. And when I went to go pitch uh, and, and get back on the mound, it, it flared up in a major league game the following season. And that led to a change in mechanics, a breakdown there, and ultimately tearing my UCL and my right elbow, which unfortunately ended my career. So I never really got a chance to see how I could perform at the major league level with any type of health. Um, you know, the first injury completely on me, uh, boneheaded play, but what happened after that kind of led me down a rabbit hole of what could have been. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. So you get the frozen shoulder in your left, you're a right-handed pitcher. Um, and so you learned how, how much a, a joint that's not necessarily your dominant joint in the action that you need, that you need, how it can affect the entire uh, movement sequence. You definitely learned that, right? W what can PTs learn um, that they maybe could have done better, or ATs could have done better when rehabbing that John Moscott story? Is it just, hey, we should have done more motion? Um, I think, I think it just was was a combination of of the injury, right, and and how severe the 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 labrum damage was, and the urgency to get back by a certain date. Uh, with, with all of that done, I think, I think the rehab itself was done very well. I think along the way, getting me back to throwing was, uh, was, was perfect. I think once I was back to being healthy, there was a, okay, it's done. Um, and that also could, you know, a hundred percent be on me for not continuing my, my, protocols, but you put something in front of me and most athletes, they're going to do it. Yep. Um, it was, it was, it was just, there was no process and plan segmented out for the, okay, now you're healthy. Let's stay on this. And it bit me in the butt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's a great lesson there. What was the, what was it like rehabbing? Let's say at the major league level, you hurt your left shoulder. Do you stay in Cincinnati? Do you go to Florida? How often are you going in for therapy? How long are those sessions, et cetera? So I, I stayed in, uh, in Cincinnati and uh, stayed there through the rest of the season. And then I went to Arizona at the end of the year in spring training and stayed there and worked under the rehabs and the professionals with the organization. Um, as we, we had our spring training facility in Arizona. Uh, but if you were, if you're in the major leagues, you get to work with the rehab staff at the stadium. When teams are out of town, you'll go in and, and kind of work with the PTs at the field, um, which is great. But again, like you're, on your own, I was 20, I was at the time, I was 23 years old. I had nobody in town with me. Um, and when the team would go out of town for 10 day road trips, it was just myself, um, you know, going through this 
initial, Hey, I can't even lift up my arm. I can't go to the bathroom. I can't sleep. Uh, it was, it was, it was a lot to go through, uh, by yourself in a, in a new place without any support system. But, um, but the organization, like they, they did well, they did good by me in that they, you know, they provided and, and gave me all the opportunity to get back. Okay. So, so then you come all the way back, you blow your UCL, you keep, re you stay in Cincinnati. They keep you on. Stay in Cincinnati. They keep me on. Uh, and uh, next spring training, uh, made the team out of spring training and, uh, come back as a starting pitcher in the rotation. And I was, I think it was my second or third start that year, uh, got the frozen shoulder in a game pitching against the Mets. And we were at that point depleted as a staff. I mean, there was nobody and it was like, Hey, can we shoot you up with Toradol to let you throw your next game? And this is in April Toradol being, you know, obviously the anti-inflammatory at a high level, uh, and you know, as a young rookie, my, my response was like, I'll do whatever it takes to be on the field, which was probably not the right thing to do. Um, and ultimately didn't bode well for what ended up happening, you know, a couple games later, end up feeling some pain in my elbow and there, there you go. Yep. There you go. Okay. So, so then you rehab UCL and what happens? Then the story gets interesting. So yeah. rehab here wasn't linear. Um, there was a lot of, there's a lot of backstory. I had, you know, some elbow injury when I was a sophomore, I had little league elbow, you know, we're in, in 10th grade in, in high school. And from that, my elbow, I never had full range of motion. So there, you know, the reds were always a little bit concerned without the full range of motion, you know, is, am I at a greater injury risk than yep. somebody else? So I end up getting UCL damage uh, that season in 2016 with the major league team. And when I go to uh, get surgery, the surgeon goes in, re repairs the arm, and then pulls out some of the floating bone that had basically calcified in the back of my elbow from my injury as a high schooler. One, when he had done that, it was in the anticipation that more, more range of motion, more mobility gives me more, you know, more ability to, to throw healthy. Uh, well, it turns out that that I had such severe arthritis in the elbow because of that previous injury that by removing that bone, every time I would go to throw, I would knock bone on bone with no uh, cartilage in the joint to stop it. And I would essentially bone bruise and to some extent fracture my bone when I would go to fully extend upon release at, pit, at pitch um, on a mound. So I didn't know this. Until, of course, I had gone through the rehab process and gotten back on the mound mm -hmm. the following year after full Tommy John, 12, 14 months of, of rehab, I get back on the mound to throw my first bullpen and I fracture my elbow in the first bullpen. <sighs> so that ended up happening three more times. Basically, go through a, go through a scope, have a surgery, try to remove bone, come back to the mound, fracture the arm as you get on the mound. So my career was immediately ended. I couldn't, I couldn't throw after that. Uh, and that was basically the end of what could have been. Okay. So uh, along that line, you're going through, obviously when you get back on the mound each time you go through a tremendous amount of coaching, once you're done playing, you become a pitching coach, right? So what did you learn through that? And what did you change in your approach to players? once you flip sides, so to say, and become a coach? Yeah, I, I, I 
so when I got done, the organization was like, hey, look, the game is going towards data. You should learn as much as you can about data. And uh, so I did. I spent as much time as I could understanding information, biomechanics, uh, you know, the ball tracking data. And and that led me into more of a coaching role at the AAA level with the organization. And one of the things that stood out to me was how, you know, responsive to the information guys at that level were guys that had more big league time than I did were were open to talking and chatting and, and, and understanding themselves the way that they moved what they could do better how they could be more successful and I think that gave me insight into the mind of others right like I knew how I thought but that fact that others are willing to consistently want to learn and be be receptive to it whether it was the way that I delivered it or just the fact that knowing information and providing it to others gives them a little bit it takes their guard down a little bit more so um you know and in in that side it led me to be a better coach be a better potential teammate down the road if i had ever played again uh, which i did with you in tokyo and all of those all of those things Okay, yeah, I'm sure that's that's a very different mindset. Did you did you run up any resistance, guys who maybe made it to the bigs without that data, and now here's John Moscott giving them all this data, and they're like, D "Dude, I I'm good." Uh, there were some guys that you know weren't weren't believers, I guess you could say, uh, and kind of you're not going to influence them one way or another. But if you can present something in a way where it's like, "Don't have to do it, but it's something that could help." Here's here's what the underlying proof is. Generally speaking, most guys are very receptive to it. Do you, do you remember your resources for becoming a data-driven coach? Like, where were you getting that information? Yeah, I I mean, I went up to Driveline, spent about two weeks up there. I was working directly with one of the VPs of TrackMan to understand, you know, their initial, you know, for, I don't want to say initial, but the beginning of them foraying into baseball and having stadium systems across the board. Uh, you know, working with the Repsoto and Edgertronic slow motion cameras and kind of just throwing things against the wall to come up with what's the best strategy for the organization. And and so you just attacked that yourself. Were, was, were the Reds leading you along that? Hey guys, quick pause and a quick shout out to this new masterclass that we just launched here at True Sports Physical Therapy. Myself and Dr. Tim Stone put together a masterclass of ACL rehab and we call it from table to turf. And the reason we call it that is because it's going to teach you exactly how to get your athlete all the way from post-op day one with the nitty gritty of regaining all of that range of motion with the tips and the tricks that we use here at True Sports Physical Therapy that gets our athletes better, faster, and stronger. And that's early. And then how do you progress that athlete all the way onto the field with a ball in their foot or a stick in their hand or whatever their sport is and teach them how to accelerate, how to decel, how to change direction, and all the mechanics that go in there. What drills do we use to get our athletes exactly where they need to be back on the field and even better than before injury? And I want you to sign up for that class. Now, you can find it on our website. You can shoot us a direct message and just say, hey, send me the course. It's right now on sale, so make sure you sign up now. It is fully accredited to get you all of your continuing education hours. Sign up for the True Sports Masterclass ACL from table to turf. Thanks, guys. Where they're like, hey, go to driveline, go to track, man. The Reds were leading me along that. They, they provided that opportunity to me and, and let me let me go and, and fill my shoes there. Okay, so you you did a great job of answering 
my next question, which was how the hell did you get into this tech space? But eventually you fall into blast motion mm-hmm. and now at uplift. So tell me a little bit about um, your time at, at blast and tell everyone what the hell uplift is. Yeah, I'm excited to, to share it. So blast motion was a great transition for me outside of the professional space, being a part of a front office and an organization into the private sector where I was talking data and how to incorporate data and actually utilize information with organizations, teams, colleges, uh, and so on and so forth. And that was my role there. It started out where I was working as um, kind of a, a manager to make sure that people were having success with the information and so that they would continue to utilize the product. It morphed more into, as I naturally was, 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 positive in that role and did a good job into more of a sales role. And I uh, ended up running um, the West Coast and in our international business at Blast for uh, our sales team. And recently, as of uh, the beginning of this year, transitioned to a new company, Uplift Labs. And if you're not familiar with what Uplift Labs is, it's really interesting. It's markerless motion capture. So it is a two camera system uh, currently where you can operate it off of a couple iPhones or a couple iPads and the portability is one of the main selling points of the product that you can take this into a physical therapy setting. You can take it out onto a baseball field and you can get the biomechanical markers, um, from joint oculation where our product reverse engineers back off of the joints, uh, to correlate and, and 3d, uh, model movement through space. And what that allows and gives you know a essentially a clinic or a coach um, is details one around injury mitigation like is there forearm fly out throughout the delivery in a baseball pitching motion um you know but also with our movement assessments which i believe are going to be uh and i believe not only not do i believe but we believe it's sport agnostic so you can go across sport to anything is that you're able to take a player and say, hey, do a squat, see the knee flexion angle, the hip flexion angle, the frontal plane knee motion, right? The ankle dorsiflexion, how much, um, you know, during the eccentric phase, how how hip dominant or knee dominant and, you know, during the concentric phase, same thing, are you to nth degree? Uh, and then you can do, you know, actual movements like and what, this is where I believe it's it's really valuable is is understanding force from the ground. So we'll do about 80 percent of what force plates do. And then, of course, give you the mobility and the range of motion along with that uh, and give you, you know, your reactive strength indexes, the heights, the velocities of takeoff. Um, so it's it's, you know, and then, of course, tie it all back into the kinematic sequencing of how you did that. Um, and. What's exciting about it is is we've been you know very uh, closely correlated to the gold standard markered systems, which of course are going to always be the most accurate. Uh, but once you know once you pull those markers off and you're working with markerless systems, we're right there with systems that cost you know half a million dollars, and we're two cameras operating. Okay, that that's awesome. Tell me about. Um, is there any extrapolation of force created with this system? So when you when let's say when you do um, a, a standard jump or you do a box jump and, and you're using uplift, do they give you a force metric? They, I, I'm sure they can give you a rate of force development, but can they get to the force extrapolation or no? 
So what we give you is, is takeoff velocity. Um, we give you contact time, you know, in the eccentric and concentric phase. Uh, and then we give you your reactive strength index. So, you know, with a variance of plus or minus 0.04 um, in the variance there, uh, it's, it's, we, as we're not using force plates from the ground, we're not able to tell you how much force you impart from the ground or how much force when your front foot hits and the delivery you're imparting into the ground. Um, you would need force plates to some extent for that, or, you know, a newt force mound. Uh, but we, we, again, are able to give those, uh, you know, imbalances and ranges of motion that could decrease performance, performance, or, you know, increase injury risk and give you to some extent, um, the amount or, you know, not only the height, but, uh, the power that you generate uh, in your takeoff velocity and, and of course the reactive strength index. Um, okay. Love that. I could, I could totally see, um, how worthwhile that would be to put into a clinic. Have you gotten to the point where you can stratify injury risk or you come up with an overarching number to say you are this amount likely to injure this given joint? You have enough data for that yet? So we don't have enough data to, to flag individual injury markers um, in that, you know, if you're at X, Y, and Z in terms of your, you know, layback, because we're not taking kinetics right now, we're only taking kinematic sequencing. Um, if you were to take a raw CSV from our data, you could infer that information and create your own flags and markers from our data. But uh, the way that we currently operate is in our PDF reports that we generate post, of, post you know, capture, we would provide a play, uh, you know, a player or a coach, um, you know, a full write-up of kind of their their whether it be a you know a bullpen or a jump or a, a squat or even a rotational movement, um, you know, on the sagittal plane is kind of where we operate the best. We're we're going to give you guys um, a quick idea of like if let's say you took a, a ten capture process you had you took 10 videos we would identify in those 10 videos for example i'm just going to use a picture how many times you had forearm fly out where there was a higher potential of ucl injury risk um and we'll give that in in the pdf file but again we only have about 15 or so markers um there are others that others are going to want uh and we'll we'll work with people to create those but we currently don't have it baked into the system yeah i i will say just thinking more concretely and when you when you talk about being agnostic across sport when you're coming back from an acl you're very easily going to give me enough data to compare affected limb to unaffected limb in terms of rate of force development in terms of joint angle production all those things as a pt i don't know that i need way more than that if you can give me a baseline of the good leg right and then we can do interventions and come back and check in a week or check in four weeks that's gold dude i mean that's that's, that's what a great point is kind of how some of the the PTs that have been operating with our product have been utilizing it is is they've been very excited about you know okay well we know what your individual baseline is let's get you back to your baseline as opposed to some you know unrealistic marker that we're going to make you perfect in you know for every single yeah. college softball player or or college soccer player Okay, but do do you have enough data to the point where because in our force plate stuff, one of the things that I've loved about force plates is that you can stratify it based upon given demographics. So I know what a Division One lacrosse midi looks like mm -hmm. with with a with a jump test. 
So are you there? Uh, long story short, currently, no, uh, we will. I mean, we just don't, we, we're, you know, this is our seventh year as a company, but really go to market, it's our third year. So, I mean, in terms of extrapolating the, the necessary data to feel confident about the inferences that we want to make and that we would provide to end users, uh, we're not quite there yet. Well, get me that system because I will build out that data set immediately for you. That is fascinating yeah. to me. Um, nuts and bolts of it, you know, we, we put force plates in one of our clinics and... Um, I had two different reactions. I, I put them in one clinic and man, they jumped all over it. They spent the necessary time and it was a big learning curve because there's just so much data provided right. by this technology system. And I think PTs like got paralyzed by it. Um, one clinic dove in head first. They are a force play clinic. Another clinic, dude, it, it collected dust because PTs were, were number one, I think, paralyzed by how much data it produced and being able to articulate the findings rapidly to the patient. And two, it might have taken the whole session to set up and to calibrate. So walk me through uplift. How long does it take to set up? How long does it yeah. take to get data to the patient? Yeah, it's a great question. I think one of the, one of the big opportunities for us in this space is that uh, you know, there's no hardware involved, right? You have a couple iPads or a couple iPhones um, and a couple tripods. You can manually set it up. You say, hey, let's take a ruler and measure out 11, 11 feet or eight feet or however your, you know, whatever your space looks like. Uh, and, um, you know, the thing is, is that the cameras would need to be set up at a 90 degree angle from each other, but that's pretty easy. You use the corner of a room, you just measure out, you know, eight feet, eight feet, or, you know, you could do it right in the middle of the room. Um, and then once you have those, those, that marked off, right? You put a piece of tape on the ground and set up like if that takes three minutes, right? The next time you want to set it up, it takes 10 seconds to op open up the cameras, Bluetooth connect and get your data um, as it currently exists. Like if a client or an individual were to go through an assessment, movement assessment, um, let's say you took, you know, 20 captures of a squat, a lunge, a overhead squat, a counter movement jump. And you were like, okay, you're done. That report would generate within 15 minutes and you'd be able to hand it out to the app, to the individual or just send it via email. That is awesome. So all in, it's 15 minutes of time, not counting setup, which could be as little as one minute once you get really good at it. Or you could just leave it set up. It should be pretty easy. Yeah. Most, most people just leave it, leave it there, yeah. Okay, so within 15 minutes, you're able to hand them all of that information and possibly brainstorm around it. Talk to me about um, what do you do? You guys prescribe anything automatically based upon the data? Say, okay, you're missing this amount of range of motion on your um, on your jump testing. We recommend this set of exercises. Uh, we we don't prescribe exercises. That's one of the things that we kind of leave up to individuals and coaches. We've been asked about that, or well, you know, what would you do in this particular area? And we we are you know in development on some things there. Uh, but we do rely at this point on the individuals utilizing the tool to then go ahead and make the necessary coaching adjustments or, you know, PT adjustments or strength, you know, strength coaches that use this. And we see a, a lot of that um, well re received from coaches. Some have asked us to help them curate their own plans. Um, you know, it's just it's kind of hit or miss on what people want uh, at this point. We're not we're not quite there yet. But like, for example, um, you know, in a, in a, in a general report on a single leg jump, um, you know, I, I know I briefly talked about hip dominance and knee dominance, but we will, it will say that, uh, you know, you'll see the angles of the knee and the ankle dorsiflexion and the hip flexion. And 
the differences will be pointed out from you know each each hip or each you know each flexion from your body as you as you go through the movement and it will be pretty stark where you would want to make the adjustment with that with that individual if it was something that was inhibiting them from moving well okay so I, and I was going to say I almost cut you off at the beginning of that, which is I'm glad you don't have it because a good therapist shouldn't need it. Um, I, I think we should know what we're doing with that information as long as it's um, easily accessible, I guess. Can you train on uplift? In in what sense? Meaning can you do exercises and use the, the data in real time to say, no, 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 you're weight shifting. Look here it's clear that you're weight shifting in a bilateral squat, make sure you're living in the middle so that it's instead of capturing, sending off, is there any world where you um, can work with so, Yeah, so we're working to keep it on device, but as of right now, it's not gonna be in real time. It's, it is through a process of going back, like on Wi-Fi loads up to the, to the cloud and then the cloud pumps the report out and sends it to you as the admin on, user on the account. Um, yep. And that's kind of how it operates. Eventually we see it getting on device where it's immediate feedback. Uh, but it's again not not quite there yet okay and as a just as a measurement tool um i could i could just totally see the value of keeping this as simple as possible so i don't i don't know that you're missing anything what what do you think uplift is missing that you're dying for them to add on uh frankly or you know frankly i think that it it, it does need on-device assessment and on-device comparison from an athlete from, let's say, you know, January 15th to February 15th. As of right now, it would be, you know, looking in the account on, on the web and seeing the PDFs and saying, okay, here's the difference over time, which isn't that challenging, but it would be great to be able to, you know, using AI point out like the adjustments you've made or haven't made. Yeah. Um, trend Like trend yeah. lines. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. I, I could see that. It's also, I think you undersold this. The fact that you can capture and measure rotational movement is something that does not exist in the force plate world. Right. Um, dude, I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah, it's really cool. We've gotten a lot of love on on rotation as really no one else is able to capture rotation with any type of accuracy. Yeah, that that to me is totally fascinating. I would love to see a world in which you can train on it and in between each rep, you're able to say, no, that was, you know, that was too slow or that was faster, stuff like that. I think that, you know, that has a lot of legs, but um, man, there's, there's a lot there. What do you think the biggest barrier to being in a privately owned sports PT clinic is with uplift? Yeah. The biggest barrier is always going to be how accurate is the data. Um, and you told me, you told me it's super accurate. Yeah, no, it is. It is. <laughs> Dated to be to be very accurate, um, but it's always going to you know to do something new. And a lot of PTs are kind of stuck in the I see it with my eyes, I know what I'm doing, uh, I don't need something to tell me. Um, that we, we get a lot of that, and uh, it's always kind of a barrier. And you know, if you unless you're within plus or minus five five degrees or five whatever, right? Like which we generally find ourselves. It's but you know, there's there's always going to be a question around it, and uh, and so I think that's probably the biggest barrier. But but we do. You know, we do stand by our information and we're very confident in what we do. That's why we haven't gone and just done a bunch more yet um, is we really want to make sure that we're doing it the right way. I would love to see um, how much data or or I guess like how large of a 
um, like field surface area you could cover because I would love to know what the athlete looks like when they do a three-step breakdown and go to change direction. Like how much yeah. do they capture there? Yeah, actually, it's funny you say that. So we just did a cutting movement um, with uh, one of the major sports. Um, can't really say the name right now, but uh, a sport in which you cut a lot. And you could, you could say the name of the sport, can't you? You uh, can't. Yeah, yeah. I guess I could say that. You, we did it with, with with basketball, right? So as you as you move through basketball and, and you go make a cut, um, you, you know, it was it was around it was around that same movement, you know, one, two, cut, three, four. Um, mm -hmm. And we found that, you know, in frame, your data was great. It was all accurate. But as soon as you exit the frame with is like that third, fourth, fifth step, it starts to, you know, display a little bit of the, the limb lengths and then kind of skew the data. Mm -hmm. um, so, so we're working on, you know, making that a larger area but of course there's a lot of engineering behind that and and uh you know all the things that go into that true sports physical therapy is growing like wildfire we have 14 locations soon to be more we are throughout the state of maryland we're in pennsylvania in lebanon and york pennsylvania as well as in delaware in newark and wilmington delaware like i said so many more practices to come and we always need outstanding sports physical therapists. Our treatment style is unique. We are one-on-one -on -one with your athlete for 45 minutes every single session. You do the entire treatment, you do the entire evaluation, and they are in state-of-the-art facilities where you have room to run, throw, and jump, and really get your athlete all the way back to on the field and better and stronger than they were. We also have outstanding salaries, comp structures, bonus abilities, 401ks, as well as a very strong continuing education offering, including in-house continuing education. And we're looking for you. If you're listening to this podcast and you have debated whether you want to apply to True Sports Physical Therapy, now is the time as we are growing like crazy. Just shoot your resume over to Yoni, Y-O-N-I at True Sports PT, or shoot us a DM, True Sports PT on Instagram, and just say, hey, I want to work there. You can keep it as simple as PT and we will hit you back. We will get you in for our unique tried and true interview process and really make a determination that this is the right place for you to grow your career and get your athletes better than ever. Feel free to reach out Instagram or shoot me an email. We can't wait to hear from you. How much surface area can you get in frame? I guess, how large is that frame? Uh, it's about... 16 by 16, 16 feet by 16 feet right now. Dude, if it's 16 by 16, I feel like there are tests that you can come up with or like multi-hop variations that you yeah. could look at. Yeah. That I think that's super powerful. Yeah, yeah, there, there, there certainly is. And you can, with manual distance entry in terms of setting up the cameras, you can go back as, you know, up to 17 feet. Wow. Okay, yeah. that dude, that's awesome. I'm thinking like, there was an age old test, um, I believe actually from a doctor in Cincinnati called like the noise triple hop test for return to sport. N-O-Y-E-S was the doctor's name. And that, that was the gold standard of return to sport with ACL, which is insane because it's very archaic and doesn't take into account any of movement quality, just movement outcome. But if you did a double hop test, a single leg double hop test, you're not covering more than that square footage. 
that now you're really going to see that data of what kind of angles you're at. That would be awesome. Yeah, I just I just uh, was talking to a gentleman down in uh, Australia with the Australian Football League, and it was interesting because they were asking for similar information of, hey, we, you know, this is something that we really value. How do you? Because we do force plates, we we work with force plates, but we really are interested in movement. Yep. How can we capture movement? And this was the way that they could capture movement. Um, and they are the best PTs in the world, the Aussies. So you're you're onto something there. Yeah, they they were pretty dialed in. I was impressed especially with force plate stuff, dude. They are like savants. Um, Okay, so that's I think that's a great description of Uplift. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense why you guys are so successful. How about this? How much does it cost to use Uplift? Yeah, so we operate on a per capture model. um, And generally speaking, we'll work with colleges and and you know sports organizations um there's a little bit of a different tiering system you know at our first price entry level would be 2400 total captures um and you can have you know you can do pitching you can do hitting you can do movement that would be 5k um where we go all the way up to you know if it's an enterprise organization with multiple facilities and you want to do you know 50,000 captures uh you know it's it's closer to that like you know 25k or so on and so forth number where you guys are you know it's a little bit more uh feasible for for organizations to do it that way but there's you know there's different tiers and and it stacks differently so that it can be like you said if you get force plates at one facility and then another right you're not like investing in hardware that you have to leave somewhere right you can just basically hey go use your captures here and we'll do it across you know 20 different spots that is awesome and then that's uh, for 5k a month, I get 2,400 captures or that's for every 2,400 captures. It costs me $5,000. 2,400 captures is, is basically your, your 5k. So, you know, if, if, if you were guys like, let's say an organization was like, Hey, we anticipate that across all of our organization, we're going to do, um, you know, 50,000 captures in the year, right. That ends up being, um, I, I misspoke. I'm sorry. Our, our 20k package is 10,000 captures. Uh, 50,000 captures across the whole right board. That's 50,000 videos. Um, that's a, that's a lot. Um, you're using that a lot, right? But like, that's, that's 90 K on the year for everything. Um, uh, you know, at, at 10,000 captures, it's 20 K, right? So it comes out to about $2 a capture. Um, and again, every capture you get, you're going to get a report. Yep. Yep. And okay. So a capture is one session. Capture is a capture is like, Hey, you know, do a jump right? That's a, that's a capture. So what we recommend for somebody is like, if you're going to do a movement assessment, do do one or two of each movement and you'll get a pretty good idea. And then, um, you know, and then you can like, Hey, I want you to do two right single leg squats and two left single leg squats. That would be like four captures. Okay. Gotcha. Um, that makes a lot of sense. So reasonable. Um, I wish it were cheaper, but, but reasonable, um, yeah. For, for what you're getting. And I love that it's not hardware. You're talking to a guy like me who's managing 14 different locations and you're doing thousands of patients a month. But if right. you're not using it, you're not really paying for it. Right. Um, so so that's kind of, that's really that's really interesting to me. Um, I, I love it. What, what else am I missing from Uplift to give like as a part of your sales spiel? Uh, I think we, I mean, we covered a lot here. We covered a lot about, you know, the technical innovation i mean i think really that what it comes down to is is that in this space there are three different players 
one being the you know the multi-camera markerless systems that you set up in a facility and that's going to cost you you know a quarter of a million dollars half a million dollars to get this going and oh, that's going to be the gold standard right for markerless motion capture um the other end of the spectrum is going to be like your three motion ai and your pro play where like they just don't collate or you know they don't pull off of you know fast movements as well as something like uplift with a multi-camera system um, so we kind of fit into the space in the middle where like, we're not as cheap as some of the other, and we're not as expensive, but where we do fit is we're, you know, we're accurate and we provide the portability that, you know, you, that you find when you do invest in something like a pro play or, um, a three motion, uh, we're just going to kind of take it to that next tier for an organization. Yeah. And again, as you said, right, like the, the incentive, of course, to start at a higher level as you get it per per capture lower price point mm -hmm. but there's no there's nothing to say hey we don't want to start at like you know a you know the 15k package and then if we if we use it really well then we just grow from there yeah yeah that that's really awesome um i, I could definitely see the utility it's a it's a good freaking space to be um yeah. okay good job dude it sounds like you've sold one or two <laughs> You're doing all right. yeah that's that's awesome hey okay guys quick pause and a quick shout out to this new master class that we just launched here at true sports physical therapy myself and dr tim stone put together a master class of acl rehab and we call it from table to turf and the reason we call it that is because it's going to teach you exactly how to get your athlete all the way from post-op day one with the nitty-gritty of regaining all of that range of motion with the tips and the tricks that we use here at true sports physical therapy that gets our athletes better faster and stronger and that's early and then how do you progress that athlete all the way onto the field with a ball in their foot or a stick in their hand or whatever their sport is and teach them how to accelerate, how to decel, how to change direction, and all the mechanics that go in there. What drills do we use to get our athletes exactly where they need to be back on the field and even better than before injury? And I want you to sign up for that class. Now, you can find it on our website. You can shoot us a direct message and just say, hey, send me the course. It's right now on sale, so make sure you sign up now. It is fully accredited to get you all of your continuing education hours. Sign up for the True Sports Masterclass ACL from table to turf. Thanks. That's guys. awesome. Okay. Now to our Eric Cressy lightning round. Yeah. Okay. Quick answers, John Moscott. Yeah. Ready? Who's the best hitter you ever faced? Best hitter I ever faced, Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, but isn't he the guy you tagged out in that rundown? Yeah, but I mean, just look at <laughs> he hit a he hit a missile at me. Uh, <laughs> but he's the best hitter. Ian Kinsler would be upset that I didn't say him. What what did you do against Kins? I struck him out. Okay, so th that's why he's not the best hitter that you ever faced. Yeah, um, I'm sure he's listening and smiling somewhere. Okay, what's the most impactful book you have ever read in your life? Oof, most impactful book. Um, the Alchemist. Because? Uh, just teaches you to be present. Um, you know, I think that, you know, that's a generic answer. I think if you're looking for something that's maybe a little bit off the beaten path, uh, some might say it is and isn't. I, David Goggins' book, uh, Can't Hurt Me. I, I just, when I'm running, I'm, I'm training for an Ironman right now. Like that's, that's what gets me going, you know?
it's I, I feel like I had I was I listened to David Goggins and I had to like pull over during some of his stories. It's so insane. It's crazy. It, yeah. It's it's crazy. Also, at the end of the book, he says some questionable things that my sports medicine brain had trouble wrapping my head around. But his description of what he thinks heaven is was fascinating to me because it was actually it was very Judaic. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know that he knows that, but but I thought that was awesome. Um, okay, good. Those are good recommendations. Uh, what is the best sports movie of all time, John? Uh, you know, the most serious. My serious answer would be Remember the Titans, and my Hey, go see a movie that John Moscott is in. Answer would be Go yes. see the Go see the Benchwarmers. Okay, Can, I was I was hoping you were going to say Benchwarmers. How the yeah. hell do you how did you get in that thing to that starring role? So I played Little League in West Los Angeles, California. And when you live in West Los Angeles, California, you're, you know, inevitably going to rub up against somebody who works in Hollywood. And one of the guys that played on our all-star team's dad was the producer of all of Happy Madison Productions with Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison. And he was directing Benchwarmers and was like, I need you to be a pitcher in it. And I, I, was, I was not going to say no. Um, did you meet Adam Sandler? Yeah, I did. He was great. He was he was a great guy. How much time did you spend with him? He was on set for a couple days, uh, just kind of hanging out and shooting the you know shooting the shit for lack of a better word with Spade and Heater and um, Schneider. You know, those were his guys, and it was just fun to see him in their element. Um, what was he wearing? Just a baggy T-shirt and some it's jeans. Unreal. It's unreal. Yeah. Yeah, what you see is what you get. It's God bless that guy. Um, that's amazing. Okay, who's the best athlete in the Moscot family? I'm gonna have to go with myself. I, that's ridiculous because I read about your siblings and they're insane. They are they are pretty talented athletes as well. My youngest brother was a Division One baseball pitcher. My other brother is actually probably more of the brains of the family. Um, he's absolutely brilliant. Currently studying at Edinburgh for his MBA in Scotland. Um, yeah, I I'm gonna take the cake on that one as as I did <laughs> did get to play in the Olympics and in the big leagues. That's fair. I guess I guess that's hard to argue with. Pepperdine's baseball program versus UCLA's baseball program. What's a better powerhouse? Zach Weiss is listening. UCLA hands us our stuff in a in a folded bag every year. <laughs> okay. um, I wish it were different. If I was maybe pitching on those games, it might be a different story. But yeah, UCLA's got us. Um, okay, good answer. And one misconception of the pro athlete. I think there's a misconception that every pro athlete is, you know, making a ton of money. Um, it's just not. It's not true. You know, guys are grinding. They're they're dealing with mental health issues. They're dealing with injuries. They're dealing with all kinds of different things. So to associate everybody in that same boat is a little bit unfair. And, and I, I, I see it as a, as a big misconception. Um, now, granted, you have the potential to make a ton of money, but not everybody's there and not everybody, you know, very few people end up doing that. It is something that, that, that is, a, is a misconception in the industry. Yeah, dude, I, it has robbed me of my fanhood like spending all this time with you guys is like, it makes it very hard to turn the TV on on Sunday and be like, God damn it. That guy sucks. Or yeah. I, I hate that guy when, cause I think you hit it when you say the mental health or injuries that y'all are human. And, and there's so much going on that makes you a real person. 
I think that's a, a big misconception and it's ruined my outlook on pro sports. So thanks for that, John. I appreciate oh, you doing that. <laughs> yeah. Um, dude, this was well worth the wait. Thank you for your wealth of knowledge. I'm super excited to get my hands on some uplift or at least to learn more and watch more about that company. Uh, I love watching your career from afar to, to think that, from sitting in that MRI room in Tokyo, in the Tokyo Olympic Village, to where you are today, it's it's been awesome to watch. Oh man, it means a lot, Yoni. You always have a special place in my heart, and I, I appreciate everything that you do and and the love that you give the athletes that you treat. So thank you for uh, having me on. I, I appreciate you. Um, if I'm looking to follow your career, give me your social handles. How can the millions of sports PTs listening to this keep tabs on John Moscott and Uplift? Uh, I thought it was, I thought it'd be billions to be honest. Billions, billions. Yeah, it is billions. billions. Okay. Um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Johnny Moscott. I'll be honest. I don't tweet a whole lot more active on Instagram, um, at, uh, at Johnny Moss, J O N N Y underscore Moss. Um, those are probably the two best places to, to follow along with. And if you, if you do have any interest in, in, in uplift and you want to maybe just some more information there, uh, feel free to shoot me an email. Um, you know, my email, I'll, I'll, I'll share with everybody. It's John, J-O-N dot Moscott at uplift dot A-I. That's awesome. my email. Yep. Awesome. Okay. Powerful stuff. Thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing everything. I really appreciate you, John. Thanks, Johnny. Appreciate yeah. you. Thanks, guys.